Hello, my name is Mary Tarsha. We are so happy to be with you again today, and I am here with Dr. Darsha Narvaez talking in this series about the evolved nest and one of the critical components and benefits of breastfeeding. Thank you so much for being with us, Darsha. Oh, nice to be with you, Mary. Yeah, so to begin with, what are some of the tremendous benefits that uh, science and research in the last few years has discovered about breast milk and breastfeeding? Oh, breast milk. It's the elixir of life. Interesting. I think we all want to have it because it <laughs> builds everything you want, all the good things. So it's got antibodies, antiviruses, anti-allergies, anti-parasite kinds of uh, uh, ingredients. Wow. It's protective over the lifespan against high blood pressure and cholesterol, cancer, diabetes, and obesity. Wait, so protected later in life? Yes. And let me just say at the outset that when they do these experiments or correlational analyses about uh, breast milk or breast feeding versus artificial feeding, they're doing it for like three months or six months hmm. Rarely beyond that of breastfeeding, but in our end for three months. Yes, breastfeeding uh, or versus the uh, artificial feeding, but in our ancestry, in our evolved nest, breast milk and breastfeeding goes on on average for four years. So wow. the findings that we're going to talk about here are from a minimal amount mm. of breast milk compared to what our species expects. Mm. All right. So the scientific literature and the research is looking at the effects of breast milk um, with infants who just received that for three or six months. On and average, these yeah. are just tremendous benefits that yes. are found. But really, the nest is saying it's important to breastfeed, if possible, even longer. That's right. That's right. So one year is what the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends because they don't think American moms can do it any longer or are willing to do it any longer, which I think it's undermining or uh, undercrediting moms. Sure. <laughs> and then the World Health Organization says at least two years of breastfeeding. So Interesting. Uh, and that's based on lots of uh, recent research on these factors. Yeah. So breast milk built to build the immune system, and it takes several years to build it. Uh, so, and it's got, it feeds the good bacteria, which populates your gut, where mm. the immune system resides primarily. And so uh, we know that artificial feeding does the opposite. It doesn't have all these wonderful ingredients that build the brain and body in, in the right way and actually can populate the body with pathogenic bacteria. And what about, I mean, so many children and so many parents just, you know, complain and have ear infection after ear infection or some other type of um, infection. You know, it seems like every six weeks or eight weeks, they're back at the pediatrician. Does breast milk have any influence on this at all? Yes. It's uh, starting in 2011. Uh, they provide tables and, and data showing that you are more likely to get an ear infection if you have artificial feeding hmm. than if you have breast milk. And it prevents various infections and gastrointestinal problems and allergies. Breast milk is just this magical thing. Hmm. And we should say that it's uh, really a science laboratory in itself, the mom's breasts. Why? Well, because the child's saliva signals to the mother what it needs, what the, the child needs. So if they're in a growth spurt, the breast will provide more fat. If there's a infectious agent in the vicinity, the mother will produce antibodies for that. That recent um, 
tailored for the gender of the child. Wow. So not only is there this physiological attunement taking place between the mother and the child, but that you're even saying breast milk is specific for that gender of the baby. Yes. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing, huh? Yeah. So what are some other tremendous benefits of breastfeeding? Well, another one, besides all the wonderful things in it, like hormones, growth factors, enzymes, minerals, vitamins, fat, carbohydrates, protein, and water in the right proportions, in the human proportions, unlike other mother's milk, you know, cow's milk or something, it's in the wrong proportions of things. Because each, each uh, milk of a mammal of milk, and there's also thick kinds of milk for predators because they have to leave their kids for a long time and go off and find food. But ours is a thin type, which means it's supposed to be ingested frequently. Hmm. And so it's species-specific for our baby's best benefit. Yeah, very interesting. So what we're seeing here is that, if I'm understanding you correctly, that for milk very standardized. And we're seeing the same composition across. But then when we get to breast milk, that this is really individualized for the baby, for, you know, if the child's male or female, and what is going on in the environment to give the child what the child needs at that moment. Yes, and we should also say that breast milk changes flavor diet, and so the child gets used to different flavors. Hmm. Whereas artificial food is uh, for infant formula is pretty much the same flavor day after day. And in my view, it actually sets you up for liking fast food because fast food is pretty tastes terrible if you've had much of a palate. Yes, uh, and also standardized, right? You're getting yeah, the same thing every single time right. versus. Fruits and vegetables change in texture. Yes, and your palate is shaped in those first years what you want and uh, desire to eat. And so it appears that breast milk is intended to have you, uh, your palate get used to and develop the habits for your particular society's foods. So early years. That's right. And the mother eating a wide variety of foods. So there's so many physiological benefits, but what about psychological benefits? What are some benefits to the child? Well, uh, the research indicates that kids who are breastfed are less likely to have mental health problems and addictions. They tend to be higher in intelligence uh, and they're more emotionally secure than those who are not breastfed. And this is not a surprise because you're getting all sorts of things. You're getting a lot of touch when you breastfeed and attention and hopefully eye-to-eye contact, which is building the brain, just looking at baby's eyes, right? It's building their their uh, brain in the, in the way it's supposed to be built. And so um, it's not a surprise that... I think it's also interesting to think about just the mechanics, which are very different in terms of the bottle versus breastfeeding and how this relates to control. So really the child has more control, correct, whenever they're breastfeeding compared to the bottle. And maybe that might not be intuitive to some listeners or even to some people who have never uh, nursed a child. Right. The uh, breastfeeding baby has to work at it. Uh, and so you, you can tell a breastfeeding baby by the big cheeks they mm. have because their muscles have built up from having to work at getting the, the milk out of the breast. And what happens then is they get to decide when they've had enough, right? And they, mm. they're, they follow their body's cues to stop eating. When, and then with a, bre- a bottle, it's different. The bottle just sort of pours down your throat. And you can't control it. And the adults decide how much you're supposed to have and give you that much and make you have it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's linked to obesity and to having various, you know, a sense of lack of control in your life, 
which is not conducive to optimizing your development. Babies need to feel like they are in charge and they can make it in the world and then build their confidence uh, after birth by crawling up the mother's belly. And, uh, and this is what happens under normal conditions, naturalistic conditions. The baby will crawl up and start massaging the mother's nipple to start the uh, oxytocin flow, the lactation letdown, and so the breast milk will come. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's child, and it's really uh, detrimental to not allow them that sense of agency. Mm, and sense of control and self-regulation. Yeah, that's very, very fascinating. And what about for premature babies? Uh, premature babies do best on breast milk, uh, and they uh, will. Uh, mom's body will produce automatically when they have the baby composition on her body and breastfeeding. Again, the mother's body will produce the right kind of milk composition for that baby. The body knows what happened if the baby came out early. Uh, the the body can tell, and um, it will. Improve then the premature baby's immune system, uh, digestion. Babies are really only organs that are working. Normally, they're just set up for breast milk. And uh, so it's really helpful um, to all babies, but especially also premature babies. Okay, I want to move now and talk about some myths. So I know there are a lot of myths within our society, and some things are fuzzy and not clear, but it is really exciting. Shed some light, some really good scientific data and evidence to kind of shed some light on the truth about breast milk and um, uh, what is actually taking place. So one of the myths that you have brought up in your research is that breastfeeding is easy and instinctual. So can you talk about that? Yeah, so I, I uh, people saying, oh, it's not instinctual or it's um, something's wrong with you, actually, is what they usually say. Something's wrong with the mother that can't do it. But it's really something that you have to learn, especially with the first baby. You need a lot of coaching. You need to have observed breastfeeding and how it works. Babies have to latch on properly. And sometimes babies today have uh, lip ties or tongue ties that need to be taken care of so the baby can actually latch on. But mothers think often that if the baby's not growing, it's their fault. They don't have enough milk, which is another um, myth uh, but actually, it's probably the baby has a tie that mm. has to be snipped so the baby can latch properly. Really talking about it more in a context of a community and how we can provide that really good um, uh, nutritional and physical benefit to the infant rather than just placing blame on the mothers. Yes, we, we ought, to, ought to underscore the fact that breastfeeding, like all aspects of the nest, are community provision. They're provided by a community. Uh, so in other countries, in non-USA countries, some places, they still have wet nurses. So if a mom's milk doesn't come in right away, which happens, a wet nurse will provide breast milk and breastfeed that child or that baby. Or they have uh, other ways of providing be- breast milk to moms who have a parent that some mothers in the USA do have trouble with breastfeeding. The World Health Organization uh, suggests it's only 95 and uh, I'm sorry, only maybe 5% of moms in the world that physiologically can't breastfeed. Uh, but in the States, it almost seems like there's a lot more. But I think it's because they're not finding the lip ties, tongue ties, and they're also the trauma to separate them. What happens at birth can undermine breastfeeding in general. Uh, so you don't want to separate the mom and baby at birth because that undermines breastfeeding success. You don't want to provide formula or sugar water to the baby, which a lot of hospitals do also. 
which undermines um, breastfeeding and and just the bonding between mom and child and cells. They should be blaming the society for not Hmm. providing the support they need. Oh, interesting. And so, I mean, even just as you're talking about the availability of wet nurses within the community, just what a stress relief that must be to mothers, knowing that if their milk doesn't come in right away or something happens and maybe they're sick and can't nurse for a period, uh, their child will still receive those uh, very good nutrients that they need. Uh, That's right. Yes. So another uh, myth that actually comes up quite often is that about frequency of of uh, nursing and of, of breast milk. Can you speak a little bit to that? So the myth is when ba- uh, interesting, isn't it? Again, that it reflects a misunderstanding of babies' development. They their stomachs are really only the size of a quarter at birth. But uh, and so that need to be fed frequently uh, because our milk is thin. It uh, is passes through the body really quickly and needs to be ingested frequently. Again, it's full of hormones and all sorts of um, endocrine system developers, all sorts of things mm. uh, that develop the body and brain in the right way. And, and the baby should be flooded with those things all the time. So that's why the young baby is going to want to feed frequently. That's part of what helps them grow well. Interesting. So what about... You know, we hear often just six months. Six months is enough. And then after that, it's fine to go ahead and move to formula or um, table food, something like that. Well, uh, this is a little more complicated. It keeps shifting what the recommendations are. It used to be 12 months exclusive breastfeeding, and now they've gone down to six. Oh, okay. Uh, So uh, it is complicated. But breast milk, again, should be taken in ingested for at least two years right because of its benefits it doesn't mean that the baby's not eating something else too Hmm. uh and um i'm forgetting the researcher's name but she's every six months when they can start to put things in their mouth they like to taste a lot of things they don't necessarily eat them and so that actually is something that happens around that time period so i think maybe that's why um the recommendation is now six months Oh, interesting. It's interesting it to hear the history of that. Yes. And how that has changed. So not only frequent nursing within a day, but then over a long period of time too. Right. And I think maybe the six month recommendation now is because they, it's possible that moms aren't as nutritiously, um, aren't as healthy as they should be or could be. And so their milk is not as uh, satisfying Mm. to, I'm not sure, in our good development. Mm -hmm. And it's passed generation to generation. Things get, you know, undermined uh, because your grandparents didn't get good feed. uh, They were, went through famine or something. And Mm -hmm. that affects then how well your body works as a grandkid. So where there's a lot of this fetal matrix and epigenetic programming for previous generations that may be affecting some of these things too. That's interesting. So, I mean, we're talking about as a community and, you know, we are starting to see some shifts in thinking and understanding and recognition of the importance of breastfeeding. And so um, women are finding um, breastfeeding groups and some place where groups or even seeing in new buildings, uh, lactation room, it brings an awareness to the community of how important it is. And then also gives women and all families that support that they need and how important this is. Right. I, and our, uh, the United States has been a little slow in all this. Hmm. Um, 
at least recent in recent decades, because the rest of the world uh, is has parental leave, uh, except for three countries, including the U.S. Uh, everyone else has paid maternal leave after a baby is born, and this is really important for establishing breastfeeding and maintaining it mm. over that first year in particular. And the United States has not uh, implemented that. Oh, so you're saying that one way that we can concretely help support family, establish those children and mothers, is to be providing them that time to be able to... ...patient consultants to mm. make it go well. And uh, part of that is also educating doctors and nurses. Still, even in the baby-friendly hospitals in the States, which is around 10 to 15 percent, that means they were really breastfeeding friendly. They don't separate moms and babies. They don't give sugar, water, or formula to babies. Uh, they provide breastfeeding support. Even in those hospitals, there's a lot. There are a lot of nurses and doctors who don't understand the mechanics, don't understand how to find uh, and solve the problems of uh, when babies have lactation mm. or latching problems. Uh, and so lots more education is needed in the medical community as well as all of us community members. You know, and that is just really empowering to uh, mothers and to families, knowing that if the resource isn't there immediately within the hospital or within their immediate community, that they can reach out beyond the hospital and beyond other places in order to find those lactation consultants and experts. Right, that are able to help them. And under natural resources conditions, the baby is bulked up to uh, with extra resources uh, in for those first couple days while you're figuring out breast milk and breastfeeding, and uh, they're receiving colostrum, the early um, form of fuel from the breast yes. that uh, helps the baby thrive. And so the baby doesn't have to, and they should be losing a little what. Um, that particular baby is uh, needing and to pay attention to the specifics of that particular situation to, to figure out how to solve the problem. It's just int- just incredible how breast milk is so individualized and tailored to the baby's needs. Yeah. So um, we're at the end now of our time, but thank you so much for joining us and for the great information summarizing and explaining the research behind breast milk. Thank you.